Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is Q&A number 111. Before we get into today's questions, uh, I want to first say that if you haven't already, go and check out all of the info about our spring training camp on Mallorca on scientifictriathlon.com forward slash camp. We still have about 15 slots or so available uh, at the moment of recording this Q&A, so you have a good chance of getting in. But uh, since we have been getting a lot of applications already, uh, it is best to be uh, quick now with getting yours in. So go to scientifictriathlon.com and register there and uh, then you'll get information about the the next steps. Uh, I also should say that there are COVID-19 refund policies in place. uh, So we're trying to eliminate all the risk of signing up uh, that way if COVID uh, prevents you from traveling. Uh, in a number of ways that are listed on uh, that training camp page, then uh, you will get a full refund. Big thanks also to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. It's that time of year again when most of us are uh, starting to head indoors, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, for a lot of our bike training. Weather is getting more and more unstable, and uh, in some places we also unfortunately are heading into new lockdowns. So the bike trainer will be uh, a very frequent companion for many uh, of us, I'm sure. Uh, When you are training indoors, you do end up uh, building up a lot of heat and sweating a lot and that means that you are losing potentially a lot of electrolytes in your sweat so indoor training is one of the use cases when electrolytes can be really really beneficial to uh, prevent uh, performance declining uh, towards the latter parts of workouts and to even prevent cramps uh, in some athletes that are uh, prone to cramping and so on Uh, definitely if you are somebody who suffers from cramps or you know that you sweat a lot or that you have salty sweat and you haven't yet tried electrolytes then give it a go and see how you respond in exercise because for many athletes it can be quite a big big difference uh, when you start training with electrolytes you can get a good ballpark estimate for how much sodium you lose in your sweat and what strength electrolytes you need on precision hydration's website Simply go to the free hydration plan tab on the website. And if you want to try their products that you can match to your sweat sodium concentration, then use the promo code DETTRIATHLONSHOW15 to get 15% off. And big thanks to Roka that you can find on roka.com. As usual, Roka offers 20% off at your order with the promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. So definitely go in there and uh, check it out. But also, Roka has asked me to mention that from November 10th, they will start their uh, their holiday sales period. So during that time, there will be a lot of really good deals going on on the website. And uh, these might not be or are probably are not compatible with the code on roka.com forward slash DTS. But in some cases, the sales will be actually offer you an even bigger discount. So of course, in that situation, you should go for a bigger discount. Uh, maybe you can send a nice email to Roka uh, telling them that you uh, you shop from them because of hearing about them on a scientific triathlon or on that triathlon show. Uh, so that would, of course, help the podcast out a lot to for them to know that, uh, that that's where you heard about Roka. But anyway, November 10th is uh, a day to mark in your calendar. That's when Roka will start having some really good deals. So go to roka.com and check it out. And uh, as you know, Roka now ship from Europe and the UK as well as the US. So, so it's really accessible in many, many parts of the world already. 
All right, let's get into today's questions. The first one is from uh, Maciej, uh, which I believe is a Polish name. Uh, Maciej doesn't uh, write where he is located, but uh, let's maybe assume that it's Poland. Uh, he writes, is it proven that making two to three weeks progressive training with volume and intensity increasing followed by one recovery week is the most beneficial method of training or uh, is consistent week in week out training better for improving performance thank you in advance so thank you Mathieu this is a really good and interesting question that uh, I've been thinking about a lot over the over the years really before I go on to answering it uh, just quickly to for the listeners that uh, may not be completely familiar with what Mathieu is referring to in many training books for example uh, or training plans you will see that uh, that the training is progressing for, for example in volume but also in intensity over two or three consecutive weeks so you might do one week where you're doing eight hours of training then you do 10 hours the next and then you do 12 hours the third week and then on the fourth week you have recovery week and you do maybe six or seven hours of training and that's something that is often referred to as a three one uh, schedule and, and it can also be a just a two-week build and a one-week recovery so that would be a two-one schedule and we might call this model build and recover uh, so it doesn't really matter exactly how long the build is if it's two weeks or three weeks but two or three weeks are the most typical ones that you'll see in training plans and in articles and books and so on uh, this is by the way uh, popular articles media articles not uh, scientific publications that we're referring to and uh, the other the comparison that Mathieu is asking about is uh, simply holding a pretty consistent training volume through most of your training uh, obviously uh, to a degree you have to have some flexibility there like you shouldn't if you break a leg uh, you can't keep training uh, you you need to adapt to to what is going on and you will have tapering for races and things like that but basically the premise there being that you try to stay more consistent with the training load and the training volume so so maybe you do train around that 10 hour mark for most weeks and it can vary a little bit one week it's nine and another week it's 11 and then next week it's back to 10 and then you do a 12 hour week and then it's 10 again and so on and so forth uh, basically the point there being that that trying to have a consistent training load and that way maximize chronic training adaptations that's theory anyway so uh, when you ask whether it's proven that one way is better than another we could look at it from two perspectives the scientific evidence uh, or the anecdotal evidence slash best practices in terms of scientific evidence, this is not something that, to my knowledge, and I'm pretty sure I'm right here, has ever been studied. So we can't really say anything from that point of view. When it comes to anecdotal evidence or best practices, my take on this matter is that there is not a super clear consensus. You have some great coaches on both sides, some that uh, really like doing the three weeks progressive build and, and then one recovery week or two, two to one. Uh, for some athletes and then you have coaches that prefer that consistent even training model to muddy the waters even further uh, the answer might be different depending on who the athlete is for example is it a professional athlete or an amateur athlete what is the ability level of the athlete what's their training maturity level where are they in their periodization or the training year and so on 
when I discuss this topic with other coaches, and I do uh, some of them on the podcast on air, uh, so you have probably heard us talk about this in some interviews in the past. I do get the sense that maybe there is a bit of preference towards the more consistent approach or the build recover approach. That's also something that we have discussed amongst uh, the scientific triathlon coaching team on air and off air. And even though we all have our slightly differing training methodologies, this is a point where I think that we we all agreed on that for age groupers at least, the more consistent approach is what we tend to prefer. Uh, and that is not a decision at a group level. It's just what we have found out that each of us as individual coaches uh, seems to prefer. I have a recent interview with uh, Inigo Mujica where we actually discussed this very question. And to give you the summary, I'll link to the episode, by the way. It was episode number 256, I believe. Uh, but the, the gist of it was that for professional athletes without any time restrictions, uh, then it might make sense. And Nigo used this model in his coaching uh, to train with the build-recover model because you can add a lot of training load to them in those build weeks. And then you basically need that significant deal load. But the deal load week is still a lot of training. It might be a 15, 16, 17 hour training week, depending on, on the athlete. Uh, so, so really, the issue with doing this with age groupers is that when you have other things in training going on in your life, you have work and family and so on. So you have less time to train in those build weeks. You can't do a 25 hour week or a 28 hour week it makes more sense to use all the training time available to you as often as you can. And in from that perspective, you don't want to use this build then recover pattern of training because then you will have the build weeks where you don't really have enough time to train as much as you should be doing in those build weeks, ideally. But then when you recover, you might have less, well, you basically are training at a lower volume than you actually have uh, than the time you have available so you're wasting some training time basically in the build weeks you're not using as much time as you should be because you don't have the time available and then in the recovery week you are at a low training volume and so you're further reducing your overall volume but you're not getting the most out of your your training that way compared to being consistent uh, that's the gist of our conversation anyway i hope i made this clear and did, didn't mess it up too much with uh, with how i was trying to to explain it so personally i agree with most of of that but i should say that uh, i do maybe have a slightly different opinion around what training model i would use or and do use uh, because i do coach a couple of athletes that train and race either professionally or semi-professionally and my approach with them is typically not very different from with more time restricted athletes in that i still prefer that consistent training model at least for the time of year when you're not in racing mode so this time of year that we're heading into right now starting to build up the base again so so that's uh, that's where i might differ from what uh, inigo said uh, that my preference is still to use that consistent training model so we're building in enough recovery into the program on a regular basis so that there is no need for a great reduction in training load every two or three weeks rather typically an athlete would have at least two days that relative to their normal daily load are light days in any given week and my goal when programming on the macro level is that the program should be sustainable enough that we can go through between five and seven weeks before we introduce a bit of a bigger recovery block 
but even then it's not an entire recovery week it might be three or four consecutive days of light training and then it's back to the normal training load again so that's my sort of default training model even for athletes that are training essentially full-time or close to full-time uh, but uh, but again there as i said there are different uh, different methods uh, different strokes for different folks so to say there, it's not that one is better than the other so really what you're hearing now is more about my opinion uh, i don't think we should say that one version is necessarily better than the other though i think it's important to see bo- both as tools in the toolbox that we can use and uh, i definitely think that in some situations the build and recover model is better and a great example of this is during racing season in particular if the athlete is doing several races with weeks rather than months between races a perfect example then would be that if you have let's say two races three weeks apart after you've done your first race you take some few days to recover appropriately and then you start the build microcycles and gradually ramp up your volume and intensity in them before a sharp drop for the recovery microcycle which would coincide with the tapering for the next race it's important to note here though that the microcycles might not be complete weeks so we might uh, employ this very strategy but it might not be on a weekly level on a seven day cycle as an example if you race on a sunday uh, that's when you have your first race and then you're ready to resume full training on the friday following at, at that point you only have two weeks and two days to your next race so uh, so that means that you could have for example two microcycles of five days each where you build uh, from one to the next and then you have a six-day tapering microcycle before the race on on another sunday three weeks after the first race one thing that uh, quite often comes up in uh, relation to this topic is age so i do want to discuss that a little bit because i often get emails from older athletes saying something to the effect of these days i need a recovery week every uh, every three every three weeks rather than every four weeks and it may be true that in some cases that really is the best way to go and not disputing that but i do think that in many cases this stems from simply following an inappropriate training program typically one with too much intensity younger athletes while this inappropriate training programming is not uh, ideal for performance improvements by any means they can still get away with it and not have that dramatic increased need for recovery just because they are better better able to adapt quick or recover quickly from from workouts and they can they can get through it they can uh, they can live through the program so to say and that but that capability might go away with age but for older athletes uh, it really is quite often inappropriate training programs that lead to an incorrect assumption that it is their age that has dramatically changed their recovery needs uh, but uh, the problem isn't their age the problem is often the, the training program itself uh, so don't get me wrong uh, recovery needs do increase with age that is uh, indisputable that's not to say that all older athletes need to recover more than younger athletes because to some extent training maturity also helps decrease recovery so you can be a really fit 50 year old that can do massive amounts of training and uh, and need to recover a lot less than somebody who is who doesn't have that same uh, endurance base and the same background in the sport so so really you can only compare yourself to yourself but if you're a lifelong athlete then generally speaking 
you at 50 will need more recovery than you at 25 uh, because at 25 you already had a really good base again assuming you're a lifelong athlete uh, but uh, but the thing is that the effect of or the increase in recovery needs is very gradual not dramatic when you're on an appropriately balanced training program uh, so in my experience aging athletes do not have to follow a build and recover model uh, at all when the the overall structure of the training is appropriate there may be some changes compared to younger athletes in how we design the microcycles of a more consistent training model so week in week out doing the same but maybe that week in week out is slightly easier so the older athlete might have three days that are relatively light instead of two relatively light days to enable uh, the older athletes to do that type of consistent training week but really it's not rocket science to find out what works for the individual uh, that's basically but it is a priority it's one of the most important goals of the first couple of months of a coaching relationship besides getting to know the athlete of course but finding that repeatable training structure that you can do and the athlete can handle it and recover from it and keep doing it without uh, any excessive needs for recovery with older athletes we might also introduce that block that i described earlier of a few consecutive easy days a bit earlier than for younger athletes but that is again on average or for one athlete compared to when they were a lot younger but the key point is that this is not because of the age of the athlete but based on if the athlete actually needs it just like it is for a younger athlete so something that i think is really important to explain to older athletes when coaching them is that they are not being coached by the birth date in their passport uh, but uh, by their individual response to the training exactly the way it works for younger athletes uh, i do see a tendency in some older athletes to want the coach to have a formula for coaching older athletes uh, but uh, the formula is non-existent uh, and it's not it's not, never going to replace individualization and that might mean that a 50 year old is training uh, in a way that uh, at face value might seem well, appropriate for a 25 year old but it's all down to the individual and the same applies in reverse of course there are many uh, mid-20s athletes that you need to give a lot of recovery uh, not least for those that are newer to the sport because you need to several years in endurance sports really to build up a really good resilience to the training to, to train pretty hard uh, on a very very consistent basis anyway i got a bit sidetracked from the main topic here but the main point is that the consistent training model also works for older athletes provided that they are on an appropriate well-balanced training program but just as for younger athletes there may be periods in the year when it makes sense to use the build then recover model so to wrap up my answer to this question i think that the best thing you can do if you're a coached athlete is to discuss this topic with your coach get their thoughts on it and provide and you provide them your feedback on how you think it's working and what might be interesting to try and for self-coached athletes if you haven't yet tried tried to train according to a more consistent week in week out training model i think that in particular during this time of year during the winter base training phase uh, it, this is where you have the biggest upside of that consistent training model above the uh, the build then recover model so i would recommend giving it a try now and see how it goes for you but likewise for athletes that have never tried the build then recover model give that a shot and see how it goes Com compare it to what you're currently doing and uh, if nothing else it will give you some good ideas for 
uh, if you can at some point strategically incorporate that model into your training or at least you'll get valuable experience for how that worked for you even if it didn't work particularly well but it's still a learning experience so i hope this answers your question uh, Matthias, uh thank you for sending it in the next question is from michael in the netherlands who writes uh, i used to lift weights a lot before i came into triathlon and now in the off season i want to become stronger without putting on a lot of weight i know this is done with heavy weights low reps and a lot of rest to re-synthesize the atp between the sets my question is is it beneficial to supplement with creatine in the off-season to gain strength and then cycle off of it during the race season because of the added weight it might give you due to water retention? All right, thank you, Michael, for your question. So for athletes not familiar, let's first talk a little bit more about uh, creatine, what it is and uh, what uh, it does. So creatine monohydrate is a nutritional supplement that are used is used by athletes in particular in strength or resistance training and it is as far as i'm aware the most popular nutritional supplement for athletes uh, any category which makes sense because strength training is such a big thing so it is used primarily again uh, in combination with resistance training and the goal there is to preserve or increase muscle mass and muscle strength Creatine is a compound that uh, consists of uh, three amino acids and uh, you get it in your uh, day-to-day diet, mainly from beef, pork and fish. Uh, But as alluded to, you can supplement with it. What happens to creatine when you get it from your nutrition or from uh, a supplement is that it's taken up by skeletal muscle where it combines with phosphate and forms phosphocreatine which can be broken down anaerobically to produce energy through ATP. So the phosphocreatine energy pathway, anaerobic energy pathway is the really fast anaerobic energy pathway faster even than uh, glycolysis which we talk about more often because it's uh, basically phosphocreatine is used in such short durations such as the 100 meter dash or uh, for that matter powerlifting uh, and and events of that nature that are measured in, in a few seconds that for endurance sports it's not that relevant but of course in terms of strength training it is really really relevant that's that's what it's about really uh, so anyway uh, it's uh, yeah creatine is used to to create phosphocreatine and uh, that will basically help improve high intensity and again we're talking about high intensity intensities that can be sustained for a few seconds that sort of exercise capacity and potentially then this would allow you if you're doing high intensity exercise in the gym by which we mean lifting heavy weights as michael writes in his questions it might allow you to train with higher total volumes uh, or higher intensities during your resistance training workouts so you might see more adaptations for that reason more strength increases more muscle mass increases and so on and uh, one more thing that is important to know about creatine is that it does lead to water retention and for that reason uh, you may add some weight again it's water weight so uh, not necessarily a bad thing but it's something to be aware of especially when it comes to uh, racing season now let's talk a little bit about how creatine is thought to actually work what are the mechanisms behind it improving strength and uh, muscle mass 
And by the way, uh, if you want to read more about creatine, I will link to two meta-analyses fairly recent, and especially the the most recent one is from this year by Stuart Phillips, who is kind of a guru in protein and resistance training and creatine and all uh, that jazz. So, so that one is a really good one to look into. So, a lot of the uh, the things that I'm uh, I'm explaining now can be found directly in these meta-analyses as well. So, so how does what are the mechanisms behind creatine? Well, we think that it does not directly stimulate muscle protein synthesis, but it may uh, attenuate the rate of muscle protein breakdown. So basically save, uh, yeah, save muscle mass at least. And uh, then the actual improvement mechanisms are threefold. So first of all, uh, with creatine supplementation, you will be increasing your phosphocreatine stores, which, as I mentioned already, can allow you to train at a higher capacity, which allows you to get better adaptations. Also, creatine supplementations can, supplementation can speed up the resynthesis of phosphocreatine. Same thing there as above, basically, just in a different way. And third, it can reduce muscle damage. And that too will, at the end of the day, uh, improve your ability to, to take on training load. And, and that is ultimately how it is thought that creatine helps with increasing muscle strength and muscle mass. Uh, so you basically different mechanisms that allow you to train more, train harder. And yeah, I jumped the gun there a little bit, but that's basically what both of the meta-analyses that I linked to found is that uh, creatine supplementation does enhance muscle mass gain and strength gain when combined with resistance training more than res- resistance training alone without creatine supplementation. And this is the reason why creatine is the most commonly used supplement sports supplement by athletes in the world because it has a really solid solid evidence base behind it it works for gaining muscle mass and and therefore strength but for endurance athletes as your question alludes to already we want to improve strength without gaining mass and that's in your question and i think that's a critical point to make what we want to do is to improve our strength without hypertrophy which is increased uh, muscle mass or muscle size uh, so rather, we want uh, the improved strength and more generally the improved endurance performance from uh, concurrent resistance training to come from adaptations such as improved neuromuscular function, increased muscular tendinous stiffness, and an increased percentage in 2A muscle fibers or 2X muscle fibers. So as you may know, those are the two types of fast twitch fibers we have, and the 2A are slightly less fatigable than 2x they're also slightly less uh, able to produce uh, really high uh, force really high forces or powers really rapidly but uh, they're still a fast twitch type fiber but again can be trained to become more oxidative and endurance like so that is one of the uh, one of the adaptations of strength training as well and as i said above uh, creatine seems to promote strength gains primarily through uh, indirectly promoting hypertrophy or increased muscle mass uh, with a key factor being that it allows for simply a higher training load of your resistance training with that in mind the logical conclusion as to whether it makes sense for endurance athletes to supplement with creatine uh, it is no because we're not looking for increased muscle mass as a way to improve muscle strength or endurance performance we're also not in, in looking for increased resistance training load in our programs. We would rather have the res- resistance training loads be of the minimal effective dose kind. So, so that's what we're looking for, really. 
However, it could very reasonably be argued that facilitating training at a higher intensity uh, with creatine would potentially be beneficial for factors such as improved neuromuscular function that is what we're looking for. And even more importantly, if creatine reduces muscle damage and recovery times, could it potentially be beneficial not only for recovering from one resistance training workout to the next, but also from one resistance training workout to the next endurance workout, allowing us to better handle the concurrent endurance and resistance training? This is not something that has been researched at all, and I haven't even heard of any anecdotal evidence from reputable coaches about this. And maybe this is simply because it it, it seems to be so clear that the evidence points to creatine not really being uh, useful for endurance athletes, so it makes no sense to even try it, possibly. But, but I can't help but think that it could be interesting for athletes and coaches to maybe experiment a little bit with creatine in the winter training phase when doing concurrent training uh, at a focused effort and the main potential benefit i think really would be that possibly could creatine supplementation allow the athlete to recover more quickly from resistance training to their next intense endurance workouts Uh, i don't know Uh, in terms of scientific and anecdotal evidence my recommendation is don't bother with creatine Uh, that's that's a clear answer a very simple answer but I'll leave a small window open for self-experimentation here. Maybe you could stumble upon some positive effects in terms of your overall training performance and therefore training adaptations based on some of the mechanisms of creatine discussed here. And if you do experiment with it, or if anybody listening decides to experiment with it, I'm definitely interested in hearing how it goes. So let me know. Either way, good luck with your training. And that's it for today's Q&A. But before we go, uh, I just want to mention again uh, that uh, the training camp that we have for the uh, scheduled for the 10th to the 17th of April on Mallorca uh, is now accepting applications. So go to scientifictriathlon.com forward slash camp and get your application in. Uh, we still have a number of slots available, but I do expect it to fill up within the next couple of weeks or so. So uh, it's better to be safe than sorry and go and do it as quickly as possible. And when you are on the scientific slash camp page, do check out the COVID-19 refund policies that we have in place there. Uh, these are unpredictable times. Uh, so uh, we are trying to eliminate the risks associated with signing up. And uh, we are collaborating with Next Level Camp for, for this training camp. And they are the ones helping us uh, with with this. They, they have put together this whole COVID-19 refund policy because they're the ones in direct con- contact with the hotel. So so that's that's it. Basically, you can go and read all about the camp on the website and I'll link to it in the episode description as well. Uh, big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Go and take their free online sweat test and get a personalized hydration strategy for training and racing and get 15% off your order with the promo code DEATTRIATHLONSHOW15. And thank you to Roka that you can find on roka.com. Check out their wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear and prescription glasses and sunglasses. And remember that their holiday sales start on November 10th. So go and check out their website then and see if you can find any new deals. In the meantime, uh, you can always get 20% off your uh, orders. Uh, Not orders already on sales though, but uh, you can get that on regularly priced products on roca.com forward slash TTS. Thank you as always for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.